it's time for the beer phase. With your hosts, Mark Cox. The only Cox in podcasting. Jeffrey Swan. Softest hands in the South, baby. And Ryan Smith. Doesn't matter as long as we're all having fun. Another beer phase. What's up, fellas? How you doing? I am doing. You're very much doing. (laughs) So what's up, guys? It's been it's been a couple weeks. We've all been crazy ass busy, and uh, we'll be heading down to the beach this weekend. That's right. Time for some sun, some suds, and some get the hell away from everything else. Yeah kind of just worked out we'll all be going down to corpus christi for the weekend so we're going to do half this cast now and half later we'll piece it all together and do the magic of radio you guys will think it's one podcast haha <laughs> jokes that's on right you. we're sitting on the beach right now right so <laughs> so before we get in, into anything cereal here we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get down to the most important part the beer phase mark what you drinking and what you drinking out of? Uh, I've got my extra tall pint glass and I am drinking uh, my Shiner Bach right out of the keg. Oh, Classic. Yeah. Ryan, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Ranger Creek's La Bestia Amable. It's a Belgian double that they quit brewing and then started brewing again and it's the best thing they make. And I'm drinking it out of a Ranger Creek glass. Nice. Had something Jeff, from them last weekend that I really liked from them. I forget which one it was, but it was super good. Yeah, they've got a couple of really good ones. Yeah. Are I... you talking about the one from the donut flight, Jeff? Yeah, I think that was it. The Sunday um... morning coming down? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, well, oh, no, it was the boss no. bitch. Boss bitch, yeah. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. That was... That's Noble Ray. Oh, you're That's right. Sorry, Ray. that was my I... favorite out of the flight. Yeah, Wouldn't you're be thinking wrong. about... You're you're talking. I was talking about the amber. What's the amber one from them? The OPA oatmeal pale ale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oatmeal pale. Ale. I had a keg of that. That was the first keg I had. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good for a pale. Like, I'm not a big pale person, but the IBU on it was pretty low, so it was mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty sessionable. Um, I am drinking what I have been on a kick literally all week for, and it's a Chimera Brewings. We are Hellfire. They brought it back, ladies and gentlemen. It's here for the summertime. It's their summertime ale. I've already filled nine growlers. <laughs> Could you fill a tenth? <laughs> I'm, I'll bring it down this weekend for sure. It's yeah. It's, when he empties these three out, it's super solid. Yeah, again. I bought a little mini keg the other day. But I am oh, drinking, nice. I am drinking it out of a uh, 
my Alamo 10th anniversary. The Squigwat does it. Awesome. Large pills in their glass. Badass. Which is great for this beer because you always want a beer and a half and it's just the right volume for that. So, All right, well, we'll jump into some meat and, meat and potatoes portions of this. Uh, Ryan, have you been doing any uh, hobby side of this? I know you were trying to finish up a couple doodads going on from your uh, herd list that you were rocking. So you've been, yeah. you've been finishing up I've... anything? I uh, I actually painted up seven guys for my Frostgrave warband. I've been playing a lot of Frostgrave lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got seven infantry dudes painted up for that. And nice. then I've been building and painting stuff for the uh, Darklands campaign that I'm running just as I need stuff. Oh, I need ten Norse infantrymen. Let me put them together real quick. Um, but I've been doing a lot of playing and not much painting right now. I gotcha. Yeah, I'm kind of on that boat right now too, so... I was just uh, finishing up some of my hellhounds that I wanted to actually put into my army, but did not want to rush paint to get them done for Lone Wolf because mm-hmm. I just I can't I just cannot speed paint I just I don't have the skill to do that I have I sit there and get super intricate with everything and then I I was like oh I was gonna do these fast that didn't happen so I paint drunk games, it uh, helps uh, right yeah oh man I, I drink but I, I don't get drunk when I'm when I'm painting because I can't keep my hands steady enough so. I have those uh those game zone chaos uh dogs that look like Cerberus. Oh nice. So like they're expensive models and I feel like I have to paint them really well to like do them the justice cuz they're they're solid solid minis and like nobody runs them. So Mhm. Looking forward to getting those painted up pretty good and then uh I have recently decided to go with forces of nature even with their you know like there's not a lot of people playing them so i'm gonna go for just a kind of a fluffy cool list that i can play that i want to put models down for so i gotta finish up what i have left for uh, the uh abyssals before i get rolling on the forces of nature but hopefully hopefully mantic will be producing the um the Nayad Worm Riders here pretty soon because that concept mm-hmm. art was legit cool, man. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers for some cool hobby stuff coming up from Mantic, so I can you know just do some more painting on some really cool Mantic models. Did you uh <laughs> did you by chance see uh, Ronnie uh changed his little profile picture on Facebook to that Enforcer with like the superhero pose coming down like yeah, it did. God, cool. that model's fucking sick, dude. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, about you, Mark? You got any hobby stuff coming up? I know you've been working on some racking. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've been doing is grabbing all of my old Skaven models and then taking a pair of pliers and then a pair of bolt cutters and then a pair of other pliers and basically finagling them off the bases. And I've got all of my rat ogres off the base now, ready to go on their multi-base. I've got most of my plague monks, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 40 of them are off. And then I've got a probably about 30 clan rats off too. Which means I've only probably got somewhere in the neighborhood of like 200 models left to rip off the base. <laughs> I know, the bane of the bane of rats, dude. Telling 200 oh models, and, that's like three armies. Yeah, dude. Right. And, yeah, and with multi-basing where you don't have to have literally 40 models for your horde, you can get away with a lot more. So I could probably have like 
five to ten thousand points of ratchet if I really wanted. Yeah, it's it's insane. But yeah, and and then you know to try and keep my mind off of the monotony of ripping them off is the uh, I am working on my plague monk base right now or my blight base I should say, and it's it's there. I need to paint the stone a little bit, go back and wash it, and then repaint the stone. And I'm going to do some object source lighting, I think, from mm-hmm. the book and the, uh, the 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 runes that I'm going to put on top of it. And then I'm going to slap my little blight models down, and I'll have my first official regiment. Or actually, it'll be a horde, but my first official horde done. Awesome. So yeah. what are you doing to pop them off? Just exacto knife to the feet? Um, I'm doing that when there's there's residue because the way these bases are, if you take pliers from both end and kind of pinch down, kind of like you're closing a book, mm-hmm. and the binding is like right underneath the middle part of where their feet would be, most of the time they'll pop off clean because the glue I used didn't like solidify them to the base; it just kind of holds them there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I I'm I'm careful because the the thinner their ankles, especially like the clan rat and the slave models. The thinner the ankles, the more likely the the foot is to bend with the pressure. So it's yeah. kind of it's kind of hard where you you kind of start to pry, and you'll you'll go back and you'll go at a different angle, and then you'll pop out the exacto knife if you need to, um, and then I'll, I'll also use clippers to kind of shave some stuff around if it looks like it's going to bend too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got a whole bowl of like dead, cast off, broken bases, and jeez, oh, <laughs> yeah, just to keep me motivated. Because the bigger that bowl gets, the you know, the more work I've got done. Yeah, that's the that's the part about rebasing them. I mean, it always looks so good when it's all done. But yeah, yeah, just by like propping them up where I had them, you know, yeah. theorizing where I was going to place everybody. Ah, oh, dude, it it looks so much better than just forty guys on twenty millimeter bases all ranked up, like just mm. infinitely better. Just Were you oh, yeah. all marching in order somehow. No, they're uh, it, it's kind of well, like I mean, the, little, the old way. Oh yeah, the old way they were all just kind of, and I, I had unit fillers, but the unit fillers were only as big as like a forty millimeter base, so it looked right. like all the guys were walking around the stuff on the forties. Which my my unit fillers look pretty cool, but I'm actually using part of the unit fillers too. I've kind of cut them off their bases, and I'm using that in my new dynamic kind of action base. So it it looks way better. It's awesome. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Yeah, and then uh, unrelated to unrelated to KOW, but uh, I got an email because I was I started to wonder where my dead zone Kickstarter was since I pledged like seven hundred dollars or actually I, was, I think it was closer to a thousand, but because <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was I, I was have just, no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, Hashtag Mierce Miniatures. Uh, yeah, well, it was just um, I I pledged a bunch because I was trying to um just buy a bunch and, and paint some up for local stuff. So if people want to get into playing it or, you know, Friday nights at Kings of War events or something like that, it's one of those games that like you can really burn through this game real fast in like 45 minutes and you could do a pickup game. You could even do like a pickup tournament real quick on Friday nights or something like that. And it just reminds me a whole lot of Necromunda, which, or, or Mordheim or, you know, something like that. Uh, Frostgrave, you know, is, you know, mm-hmm. fantasy version style. Um, and it's just one of those games. It's like it's cool. You can you know bust through a bunch of games really quick, and uh, it's a cool flavor, low model count, stuff like that. Nothing too crazy. But um, 
was getting into that so that uh, I could get uh, a couple armies for other people to be able to play. And I was like, man, where the hell is my Kickstarter? And then I got an email from them the other day saying, like, oops, something happened during, <laughs> during the, uh, like, the pledge manager or whatever. And it got uh, it got screwed up, and they didn't have my order correct. Oh, and they didn't geez. ship anything, and yada, yada. And now, now I was going to get backburnered, and I was like, it's okay. I know how it goes. Like, cause Ronnie kind of oh, like man. warned us when he when he came out for Alamo. You know, I was like, hey man, how 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 soon till you guys are shipping the Kickstarter? Cause at Alamo it should have been like the month after. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna get pushed back a little bit. So I had emailed them back. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. When Ronnie was out here at Alamo and we were talking to him and yada yada, and they're like. Oh, we know who you are. We just telling you that like it's gonna be a while. And I was like, How do you know? Even who for I am? important people we can't do anything about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're like he's he's like, Yeah, we brought it up to Ronnie specifically that it was you and I was like, Okay. <laughs> it's like he he says he could he can take care of it. He'd like to send you all this like custom rare cool stuff and I was like, Okay, you know, whatever you guys wanna do. You can do refund, you can send me just whatever, you can just mash like because they they didn't have all the order together at all i was like i trust you guys i just wanted to support the company and kickstart you guys i didn't need anything very super specific they're like oh we're gonna take good care of you i was like awesome like that's like all right cool man i'm i'm totally cool with it so i mean like even people that were saying you know oh this happened during this kickstarter and it got delayed by two months or three months it's like that's the other thing as kickstarters are not they're not order systems guys they're not like you don't just it's not like going to the store and buying what you want. You got to yeah, realize you're not that pre-ordering something on a right. set schedule. I I've done yeah. I think 10 Mercia Kickstarters now and that's the one thing that frustrates me the most is people that get upset with the fact that they're figuring out a lot of times how to do it for the first time. Sure, and yeah. doing things differently always changes it and they give you an advice on when things are going to be but every Kickstarter I've ever done ends up getting delayed somehow. It's just it's part of the nature of the beast. I'm thrilled. Mercia's shipping the their rule book to me. It's 378 pages of glory that they were hoping to get out a year ago. Just because you know you've never edited a rule book before, you don't know how long that's going to take. Right. Um, how I view they? it as yeah. When I buy something on a Kickstarter, I'm like I expect it in about two years. If I get it before that, great. But I'm ordering my army for 2019 right now. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it was the same thing, because, uh, like, I, I pre-ordered, or not pre-ordered, but I did, uh, I did the Kickstarter for the last Mercia campaign when I got the, um, that uh, new, you know, kind of like a new arms and weapon and head swap for that cool Dragon Ogre dude they did, mm-hmm. and I, like, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. It took like a full year for them to get it out and get it over to us and stuff, and it got back ordered and they lost the order. And it was like, it's well, and you luck. were going to try and use it for your Bayou army too, and right? It didn't like, show up in time for you to paint. Almost a year it. ago, yeah. And like, but you're I not got sitting it. here pissing and moaning about no, it. You're just no, like, this yeah. is probably what's going to happen with it, so it's not a big deal, right? Like, I mean, I own a company. I understand that that kind of shit happens. So, like, it's so funny that you know people are just like they think it's like a pre-order system. So I'm always, I'm always like. Oh boohoo! Your Kickstarter showed up a fucking month late. Cry me a river, dude. First world problems, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's when you don't hear from them for three or four months right, that you right. should freak out. But, but Mantic, Mantic and like Mercia that. are oh great God. about every two weeks, every three weeks. Here's what's going on. Reaper does it every month. Here's our mm-hmm. status. Yeah, Mantic has a weekly update for their Kickstarters that they get out to you every week. I mean, like, name a company with that kind of like just product support, man. That's crazy, man. Mercia, crazy. 
Yeah, well, I mean, like, they're they're right down the street from each other. In fact, they know yeah. each other quite well. So, I mean, when we go out there next year for 2017, it's in Nottingham. Like, the, yep. the, the tournament we're going to is in Nottingham. So, you know, <laughs> we can go see them, too. So, anyway, my my point was that, you know, if, if something goes wrong, they're going to take care of you. They They care about every single one of their orders and every single one of their players. Like, they don't want to piss anybody off, you know? Yeah. So, anyways, I, I think that's kind of a good segue, considering some of the other topics we're going to cover. It seems like there's a lot of people that are kind of throwing out criticisms of certain things, and uh, yeah, you, you know, let's you know, it's a lot of knee jerking going on to things. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, you know, it's when, it's when you could so be jerking funny. something else that would be I a mean, lot more entertaining. Well, I mean, we, <laughs> you want to fly out here to Texas to jerk something, then we're good to go. But, um. Yeah, with with having Dan out, you know, last month and stuff for Lone Wolf and just being able to talk to him a bunch, you know, we we kind of got me and Mark got kind of invited to the rules committee forum to, you know, just see what's going on, get feedback from the region. So we're able to, you know, talk to the guys that are actually writing the rules and give actual feedback and let them know what's actually going on, you know, in in our area and it's after after Lone Wolf, um, you know, we gave that feedback um, and talked to Dan about it in quite a bit of uh, detail, as well as uh, you know the Adepticon tournament that went on. They gave some feedback there, um, and a couple of them are in the rules committee forum. Um, just being able to talk back and forth and see what what people were getting for feedback, because I mean. People talk to Mark about what they think about rules. They talk to me about what they think for rules. And I mean, mm-hmm. we just kind of all compile them together. And there's there's been a couple of things that are pretty, um, I mean, just kind of keynotes that like seem to keep on popping up over and over and over. So, I mean, that's kind of something I wanted to talk about tonight so we can, for the people who actually do listen to the show, for the, like the couple hundred people all listening. All five of you. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Like, not many, but anyways... <laughs> If you have a friend that that's you know just keeps on harping about this, you can just point them to the podcast. Be like, "Hey, have a listen." Type of situation. So, uh, one of the, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the flyers debate. I mean, you oh, already God. know you already knew it was coming. I mean, here we go. You know, it's one of those things. I mean, we just heard it last weekend, right? I mean, we just did a three game tournament um, this last weekend, and one guy that's played maybe four games coming into this tournament, maybe four mm-hmm. games, and he's in his he's in his third game of that day, so maybe his seventh game total, and he's telling um he's telling Todd Serpico, oh man, your army's so broken because it has flyers and flyers the most broken rule in the game, and I'm walking past him like, oh my god, shut up, <laughs> like, dude, I. I could not disagree anymore. I think flyers are super solid, um, but like, I, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get y'all's take on it first before I go into full breakdown mode on <laughs> on my on my concept on flyers. So, uh, do you want to say anything on them first, Ryan? Before I go crazy, <laughs> um, yeah, the people that tend to have trouble with flyers are the ones that don't have as much emphasis at least from what i'm seeing down here they're the ones that aren't spectacular in the movement phase uh the way flyers can be countered really well by just planning for them most flyers in the game aren't overpowered anyway i say that i'm a herd player i run two harpies and a, a 
regiment of eagles. So I've got three flying units in the game. But on their own, they're not going to do anything but harass you. But you can get in people's heads with them. And I think people just, they don't know how to handle them a lot of the time. And that's why they get really frustrated with them. Yeah, I agree. Mark, what's been your take as far as feedback from everybody else personally? Well, uh, I, I think probably out of the three of us, I spend more time on the Mantic Forum than you guys do, so I see yep. it out there too. Um, and I've I've seen it, you know, I've seen it at the various tournaments that I've run. Um, by the way, caveat: zero of the scenarios we ran were kill based, and the army that killed better still did better in most of those scenarios. Just throwing that out there for anybody that wanted to know. Um, but yeah, the, the flyer army did come away as the big winner this weekend. Um, it was a tighter race than a lot of people probably would have given it credit for if they had looked at all the lists and also in a three game format. Well, yeah, three games. It's, it's pretty easy to do that. Um, but I, I, I honestly think there's, there's two things that, that counter flyers. Um, one of them is firepower. If you can do a lot of range damage, flyers look good but they can't get there and survive. So they'll get that first jump in. They may pounce on something. They may kill something. But then when all the guns turn and fire, the flyers disappear. Sure. Um, so uh, that that has definitely opened my eyes to kind of some of the, the counter that happens there. And then, like like both of you have said, good movement. Man, mm-hmm. I my army only has access to one flyer. He's in my in, in my opinion, he's probably one of the best flyers in the game, if not the best. Uh, he might just be one of the best models in the game too, uh, just because of everything that he does. But even with him, just that one flyer, um, I still have trouble getting him into the correct position sometimes because of how my opponents have deployed or how they've moved. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it sounds like, oh yeah, flyers slam dunk, but when my opponents play smart and they they proactively block portions of his base off from where I would want him to go, and then they set up counter charges and they set up rear charges that would happen to him if he flew into any of those zones or any of those areas, it really yeah. does pin him backwards more. So, you know, that's that's my take on it. Jeff, I have a feeling you're going to hit on that a lot more with the, uh, the movement side, but I thought I'd throw those two pieces out because those two counter flyers pretty well from what i've seen mm-hmm. and it's it stands up in the lone wolf because if you look at the top i think it was the top 10 or the top 12 armies uh, something like eight or nine of them were shooting heavy only one of them had a lot of flyers and yeah, even the top then, the top yeah. 10 tables i was the only one with more than t- uh two flyers in their list so I mean, in, in all ten of those tables had a, a, no, a I, higher I th- focus on. I shooting. think I think one or two of the other armies had some flyers, but they were like harpies and stuff. So you would right, really, right, 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 right. I mean, they um, fly, yes, but right. That's my point. It's like everybody's like, "Oh, your army was all flying." I was like, I had a unit of harpies and three shamble flyers. So fly, sure. <laughs> like, um. Anyway, uh, my, my what I was gonna say here was um. There's obviously plenty of counters to flyers. So for those of you who are sitting there, how do I have counter flyers? How do I counter flyers? They're so broken, this and that. I'm, I'm going to hit some key points for you that will make it very easy, easy to break down, easy to figure out. So uh, number one, 
force flyers to charge you in the front. What does yes. that mean? What does that mean? Most flyers are not going to be able to kill any regiment. And I mean pretty much any regiment. There's going to be those super weak regiments, maybe. But force them to charge you in the front. They're not going to break you. Majority of uh, flyers at the maximum are going to have 18 attacks and they'll hit on at the absolute best. At the absolute best, they'll hit on threes. Um, you shouldn't be giving them threes because you should be in some way, shape, or form forcing them to do a hindered charge if possible in any way, shape, or form. It's pretty straightforward and obvious. They should they should hit on fours, threes at the absolute most. They may get nine or ten hits on you. And uh, those nine or ten hits are going to go down to, depending on your defense, you know, seven, six, seven wounds, somewhere in that ballpark. Not saying exactly. Who knows how they're going to roll, but it's going to be in that ballpark. Most of the time, if you have Inspiring around, any regiment in the game is still going to be is still going to be there because it means they're going to need a seven, eight, nine, ten to break a regiment, depending on the regiment you're you're rolling. Um, if you're mm -hmm. slayers, if you're slayers, they need like uh, can't break you at all. Um, and just to throw this in too, even if even in the scenario where they can kill the regiment, if you've got one or two units right. stacked right behind it, yep. ready to pounce on the flyers, the flyers are That's probably next... not taking that charge. That's yeah. my next point. Is um, the other thing you do with flyers is you can give them a kill. Obviously, you're going to lose the unit. What you can do is set up to where they can only charge that one unit and then have counter charges set up out on a flank or behind it or any of those other options to make them pay for doing the charge. So, okay, I'm okay with losing this 135-point unit, 140-point unit to this 280-point unit because if they do charge, I am going to be able to charge them the next turn regardless, and they can't charge me. So usually I'll set up one or two angles in order to make them pay for that. Um, the other thing you can do is take chaff. Uh, mm -hmm. Have a chaff unit or two chaff units. That's part of building a balanced list. It's not that hard. Every army's got some kind of chaff. And you can make that chaff the only thing they can charge. Or you could put it directly in front of the unit that you don't want to get combo charged. Well, what does that mean? It means you have a big, nasty horde unit um, with just a crap ton of nerve, no problem, that no question that they're going to be able to take a single charge. Um, but a double charge, like double Dracons or something like that to the front, a little bit harder to deal with. Well, no problem. You take that chaff unit, you put it into a situation so that only one of those flyer units can ever touch the front of your unit when it charges, and then put it in range to be charged. Who cares? They can't possibly kill both units. They'll kill a chaff unit and they'll put some wounds in. You'll get to counter charge and have a flank charge set up for killing the other unit. They're not going to make that stupid choice, so they're not going to charge you, which means you're going to play Max Mexican standoff with them. They're going to sit back. They're going to waste their flying capability and try and get over you, which leads me to my next point. Don't allow them to land over you. As a smart player, you should be setting up in some kind of, of of a line to where they cannot get up and over you, which means all you have to do is measure from the back of their unit to the back of your unit that you're pushing forward, 
plus an inch because they have to have an inch on both, on both you. sides. On yep. both sides. So All sides, honestly. What does that mean? Okay, well, I don't want him landing here, and I don't want him landing here. No problem. Don't give him a footprint to land there. It's not that hard. Like, it's really not. Um, you can... You can allow them to to charge said unit or take this movement over here. You can manipulate where those flyers can and cannot go. If you don't have a lot of flyers in your army, like dwarves or something like that, it's not that hard either because you can just keep one unit directly next to the other unit. With Most flying hordes are going to be like five and a half inches in depth or four inches in depth, depending on what kind of flying unit they are. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to keep one unit within four to five inches of another unit so that they can't land in a flank. And if you're giving them a flank charge, yet they cannot land on the flank charge, then you're not giving them a flank charge. This is not crazy. <laughs> this is not hard no. to do. This is not well, hard. A, there's a corollary to that, too. You can use your spacing on that to force them to land where you want them. Exactly. And then set up charges based yes. on that so that when they do land, Correct. then they're getting charged in the flank. Mm-hmm. And you can dictate a lot of flyers' movement based off that as well. Completely, completely. Well, and 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 another thing to keep in mind is, you know, it's pre-measured. You can measure anytime you anytime, want. Anytime, mm-hmm. Pull your tape measure out, get on that unit, and mm-hmm. see where in the twenty-inch bubble that they can move, mm-hmm. and and make your decisions based off of that. Yep. You should uh, not be surprised when when a twenty-inch flyer can can go twenty inches. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if if you get surprised by it, you just weren't paying attention, which you'll learn from. I promise, it'll it'll happen once or twice, and then you'll learn from it. Um, uh, point number six on it was learn to use individuals, people. I know that they don't look like they're good; they just look like, oh, I should use them to go lock down this or do that. Individuals are clutch tactical advantages. If you have that gap we were just talking about with dwarves. That five-inch gap you're so worried about them being able to land in, well, guess what? You just turned it into a 10-inch gap because you can have five inches between a unit, the individual, and another unit, and they still can't land to to charge any one of them because it can't land in between the individual and the unit to charge the individual. It can't land into the front of or to the side of the flanking unit that you were so worried about. You've just you've just increased the gap that you can have between your units and still have inspiring maybe from one of those inv- individuals. That's another easy thing to do for cheap cheap points. Spread your gap out like that and also if flyers charge up and over you or fly up and over you, you can go smack them with an individual in the face, do a single wound and knock off that thunderous charge from like uh um Dracons, and now they're only crushing strength one. It's not really that great. Crushing strength one, um, in a rear or flank is is still gonna do damage, but if they fly up and over, you can turn around, and still have knocked off their thunderous charge. And if you give them a front at that point, they're not really gonna do anything except for maybe fly back over you. Um, and then I guess the last point would be um anything with shambling. Um, if you take if you have an access to a unit that has shambling, um, that's another great way to take care of stuff. Um, you you have a large earth elemental or a unit of um, fire elementals or stone elementals or anything that has shamble. Anything undead. 
pretty much undead is like the number one army flyers should fear the absolute most because at any given point they can just turn any way they want move and then surge into you so they're if you get caught in a rear as a undead player you're probably a pretty shitty player <laughs> i mean like it's probably the most forgiving movement phase in the game is for is for undead but you know flyers are not going to just try and fly up and over you with with units like that because they they're they're not going to get away with it you're just going to turn around and surge so i feel like did i miss anything because i feel like that's a lot of ways to take down really expensive units I think oh, you touched all the bases. Yeah, you've covered it. And and keep in mind that typically the counterbalance to most flying is that their their nerve is lower than their ground walking equivalents. Right, on average, yeah. And you're paying yep. a and you're paying a massive amount of points for them. So yeah. like they are really good. Don't get me wrong. They're very, very good. Um but unless you spam them, A, they're probably not gonna make it there. If you're taking two or three units of Dracons or something like that, you're probably losing one on the way there at the minimum, uh, with any kind of with any kind of shooting in any army. Um there's a chance you make it there with two of them, but I don't think you should make it there with all three if anybody's taking a balanced army. Um and like I said, if if even if you even if you put all of them into uh fronts of units, there should be no way that you should just give them a front with two charges like that's that's just poor play like you should be in a forest chart making them charge you in the front and then committing and then you just counter charge so that's 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 my opinion on it there's everybody just crying about you know flyers are broken because of flying nimble to fly up and over you and all this other stuff it's like just build redundancies for it man <laughs> like it's it's not it's not that hard like it's i understand they could be frustrating but just don't give them don't give them a spot to land. That's all I can say. So, uh, which leads us into some other stuff that's been coming up: list building, um, and and this kind of this kind of goes into a, you know just a generalization of how we build lists, which I kind of like to start with. But I'd also like to touch on um, some of the spam listing we've been seeing and what you what your what your thoughts on spam lists are and what's your general feeling on playing against them and fielding them start with uh start with mark uh i actually haven't played against spam lists um oh well no i take that back we we did practice against one didn't we mm -hmm. uh in it's difficult because if you if you look at it from a gaming perspective, in a gaming perspective, you're going to do, in theory, whatever it takes to win. You're going to take the best units and ignore everything else. So I can understand why a spam army would be attractive to some people, especially if their only goal is to win. If that's all sure. they care about, sure. mm -hmm. then I understand why they're doing it. From a a gaming perspective from like, you know, from somebody who's a member, member of a community for, for somebody who just wants to have fun and an enjoyable game. I, I can't conceptualize why you would want to run a spam list. Um, well, yeah. And, and there are, and that's that, risk. That, well, mm -hmm. that, that goes back to the first category that I kind of laid out is 
Like if you're running a spam list just to get wins, some of those lists that I've seen, like especially the one that we practice against Jeff, the, the mm-hmm. goblin spam. Yeah. Um that all that is is target selection. Like there's no general ship whatsoever. It's target selection and reacting and target yeah. selection. It's point and click. It's it's literally point and click. Just sit back and shoot. And mm-hmm. it's it's no fun. I mean, it, it's probably, I, I can, again, I go back to, it's for me, it's no fun. Because it's no fun to play against, and it's no fun for my opponent to play against if I'm playing it. And I'm not going to have fun playing that type of list anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you're a cool person, you're probably not going to get bad game voted or something. It's still just not going to be, it's not going to be fun. Even though you might deserve to be bad game voted right, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I understand it. Um. So yeah, that that kind of... That kind of play style, I, I understand, but I, I don't. At the same time, it's, it's kind of an enigma to me why, why anybody who would play right. in, in a group setting would want to do that, unless you know you're just tired of hearing everybody yap at you or something. I, I don't know. Well, I think uh, you nailed it. Like, you just don't need it. I mean, like, there's you don't need you don't need to do that for any reason if you're a decent player, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and. You know, Jeff, I think I think we had a conversation about this after dinner one day where it was like, you know, I, I can feel like a really big tough guy if I blow a chipmunk apart with a shotgun. <laughs> right. But God. did I really did I really accomplish that much because I had him so overwhelmingly like outgunned? Did, right. Does that make mm-hmm. me a better a better quote unquote hunter? No, it just means that I, you know, I took a knife to a chipmunk party. Right. Uh, or sorry, a gun. <laughs> God, I screwed that up. Go edit that out. I know you're. I know you're not going to. I, I, I think my, you, you took I think a gun to a nut shot was, contest. Yeah. But but at the same time, like killing a chipmunk with a toothpick, right. you know, running around naked in the forest, that's a little more impressive to me. Right. So and, and when you go to list building, that's kind of what it's like. Is you know, if I take if I take a, a list that has obvious flaws and I play those flaws up, and and kind of erase them in my gameplay and my movement and my tactical decisions that makes me a better player you know and that's right, that's yeah. kind of what i strive for you know going back well, to 10 years yeah. ago and i think i think all of us like just we really like to bring a swiss army knife and not a rocket launcher you know what i mean like yeah. i want a, I want a tool for everything not just a not just something to blow shit up once. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and that's the problem. When you when you bring the rocket launcher, you're basically playing rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on what army you go against, yeah, you rock, paper, you'll blow rock it out of the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But <laughs> if, if if that scissors ever gets in on that rocket launcher, all of a sudden, yeah, mm-hmm. something's happening. Yeah. But with a balanced army, you don't run into that because, in theory, with a balanced army, you can react to anything and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what we may be saying is is kind of a hangover from some of the lists we saw in Warhammer, where people would spam the effective stuff and not take the others because there was less incentive to have a Swiss army kind of right. force that yeah. could do stuff. Um, the Kings of War scenarios seem to be a lot more you need things to fill certain roles. And spam lists tend to lack one or two of those roles usually. Just because they're so focused on doing that one thing really, really well. Um, yeah. I haven't played against any either, so I can't really talk to how annoying they are. I know they bore the hell out of me just reading them. Oh look, he's got more of this thing. Pfft, who cares? Um, yeah. 
seven of this. <laughs> yeah, you have seven war trombones. Good for you. Form a band. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's fine. Yeah, I guess I, I guess that's just been my thing. It's like I keep on seeing a bunch of lists come up, and there's just people that are known for wanting to win all the time, and and that's great. But I mean, like, it's just like dude you're you're a good player you just you don't need that like i know for a fact that you're a great player like why why do you need that you don't you don't need that to win so that's all that's all i've been seeing lately but i mean that that trombone list we were talking about is pretty much um you know it's not it's not just the two people that we've seen with it it's it's become like a major issue to where the rules committee has you know fully seen what's going on with it and is talking about it i mean like when 10 or 11 people on the scene are playing the exact same like copy paste list you're pretty sure it's uh, something's gonna happen you know what i mean type of yeah thing, so. let me let me you know let me jump on this tangent real quick and i'll i'll get off my soapbox afterwards um you know winning is great going out of your way to win is is fine too but what people don't realize is that when they take stuff like this, when they bring this and it gets publicized, like, oh, yeah, right. this this list showed up. Other people who are on the fence of whether or not they're going to go to events or whether or not they're even going to get into this game, mm-hmm. see stuff like that and see people reacting to it, you know, whether it's on the forums or whether it's somewhere else talking about, oh, well, it was this, it was that you're turning people off like you're actively pushing people away. You don't think that you are. Because right, it's not you your know, intent. Yeah. It, well, it, and it, it, it obviously, why would that ever be anybody's intent? Right. But yeah. you don't conceptualize that that's what's happening because you don't see the people walking away. This is the age of the internet. You know, people from across the world can see all this stuff that's going on, and you can actively be pushing people away. And that's just like you know, somebody who's being a troll in a forum could do the same thing. Um, but yeah, so even even if you don't think like, oh well, in my group the spam list is totally acceptable, yeah. But if I if I talk about it out on the forums and you know I see people reacting negatively to it, and I tell them basically like screw off, and, and I'm not saying anybody did this, but you know screw off, I'm going to do it anyway. Somebody's going to see that and go, well, this is not the game for me if this is how people are going to be playing. Mm-hmm. So there is that a higher level people have to think about outside of themselves, outside of their specific games and going, am I, and and that goes to sportsmanship in general, but am I turning people off from this game? Because you know what guys, if, if you do that, that's fine. Enjoy it, but it's not going to last forever because eventually if you scare everybody off or piss everybody off and they all just walk away from the game, you got nobody left to play with. So yeah, that's me. I'm gonna jump off the the soapbox when we get here, and I'll let you guys close this topic out, and we'll jump on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think that covers it pretty good. Um, there there's some there's some lists that are not are not as heinous as the others, but in general, I mean, if you're taking you're taking five or six of the same thing that's point and click style thing, it, it like if you're if you're taking a regiment of super cheap guys to unlock something that's just absolutely asinine. Like that's not what the game was meant for. It was meant meant to look like an actual army, not like you know a whole bunch of little piddly dudes with <laughs> amazing 
like elite shit behind it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's no, you're not supposed to have like nine dragons led by, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not nine nine dragons and then like eleven bowmen. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Same same type of a thing. Um, what was the one that uh, Brad was talking about the other day? He he hit, he was like, oh yeah, man, I had a list of. I had a list of four archfiends with wings and lightning bolt, and then I was just taking those and four uh, regiments of tortured souls. And I was like, awesome. Oh. <laughs> I was like, uh, fun? <laughs> I mean, like, it would be fun, I suppose, until you ran up against someone like Dustin Howard's, like, uh, abyssal dwarf list, where he's just like, cool, lots of points in one in, in one target. Awesome. Watch this. Boom, 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 boom. Dead, 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 dead. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's so funny that, like, the crazy unfun stuff is so countered by, like, the other list that's probably not super fun to play against either <laughs> mm-hmm. you know but you that know what i mean but that goes to the rock paper scissor argument we were making and it does speak to the overall balance of the game because mm-hmm. if somebody goes hard into one thing then its counter right. is out there it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's brought it to that specific event but sure sure the, the counter's there <laughs> so right. in in the old game we used to play somebody could bring you know the overpowered list and virtually no counter sure well i think we've i think we beat that horse enough um the other the other uh, thing we wanted to cover was uh, there's a lot of events that are coming up now with kings of war uh in this tournament season been rocking out so far lots of lots of uh, people dropping new events and um i think we just wanted to break down um how we how we decide how we want to go to events, like what events we want to go to, what's our criteria that we are looking for that makes us say, yeah, I want to go to that event. Do you, mm. do you want me to do you want me to do a quick rundown of all of the events that I'm aware of? Yeah, dude, I know, I know you posted it up the other day. It'd yeah, be kind of good to I've, have it on here for people to listen to. I've got to add one more because I got to figure out when Crossroads is, but sure. that's the only one that is outstanding and. Here we go. Right, then I'm just gonna contemplate backwards what the the day it breaks down to in. Alright, okay, so it's in that bracket. Okay, so starting with May. We've got May twenty seventh in Franklin, Tennessee. We've got Nashcon. Um last I checked, because I talked with Rob last weekend, they have one spot left for it. That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um I'm have, going to Nashcon next year. Yeah. It was on my list this year. I just could not make it happen. Well it's it's the hot tournament. That's why I'm not going. Yeah. Uh so that same weekend is is our club event, which is probably why Nashcon isn't fifty people overbooked. Because <laughs> we would have brought all those guys up to Nashcon. But Nashcon is May twenty seventh through the twenty ninth. Um, then you jump into June and you've got Bug Eater GT out in Omaha, Nebraska. That is June 10th through the 12th. Um, they're doing a con style event. They've been doing that for a couple of years. And then, um, the proceeds for that event actually go towards their high school debate team, which is pretty cool. So you get to like actually help out with your entry fees and, you know, if you buy food and stuff at the venue, 
and Omaha is pretty awesome if you haven't gone out drinking out there. Uh, and then you jump into Blood in the Sun, June 17th through the 19th. That's in Chicago, Illinois. That's run by our good friend Grant Fetter. Um, that's another convention-style event. Uh, they've got um, KOW. They've got Age of Sigmar. I think they're looking at doing 40K. There's Ninth Age, um, Saga, Infinity, and a bunch of other stuff. So they're doing, like, everything out there. Um, the venue's pretty cool. Getting to Chicago is kind of hard because um, the venue's maybe like a 20-minute ride from the airport. But once you're there, you're pretty entrenched, and then there's enough guys there that have cars and stuff that can drive you around. So if you're flying, it's not that big a deal. It's just a cab fare. Um, but it's it's pretty cool because people do stuff like 24-7 out there. Um, that same weekend in Columbus, Ohio, they're doing the Origins, um, which I think is a convention, and I think Mike Carter is running the uh, Kings of War side of that event. Um, then we jump into July. July 9th, we're doing the uh, big Kings of War campaign day where, you know, no matter where you are, depending on what time zone you're in, that's your start time. And, uh, you know, just you and a buddy get in the garage and you report your scores in and then we kind of give you the next scenarios and what your bonuses are going to be from it. So that's going to be fun. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Um, July 23 and 24, they've got the American Team Championships. Um, which is in East Ridge, Tennessee. That's a two-man team style event. They're doing it kind of like ETC used to do, I think. Um, and then it's it's basically battle. Just just do the best. You know, have your two-man team do the best out of everybody else, and that's how the game's going to go. That same weekend in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, they've got the Slobberknocker GT uh, convention style event. They've got 40K, Kings of War, Age of Sigmar. And then they may be doing something like Necromunda or, or, or Dreadball or something. But those are the three main ones, 40K, um, Age of Sigmar, and, and KOW. Uh, July 23 through 24 in Oklahoma City. Um, the next weekend, they've got Lady of the Lake, July 30 and 31, up in Duluth, Minnesota. It's run by Chris Kapsner. You guys have heard our episode with him on. Um, you know, I think Jeff and I are both going to that, so... You know, yep. look for us there. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be an awesome event. Uh, then we jump into August, August 6th through 7th in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, they've got Gen Con, which obviously by the name, it's a convention style event. I think Mike Carter's running that too, um, which I is... I believe so. You think so, right? I, I think he's I, doing Gen Con and Origins. I think that's what he told us last. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think him and Kara are both running that one. Oh, they're co-running it? Okay. I think I I don't know I, I think that's what Chris said. Don't don't gotcha. quote me on that though. Okay, well you just quoted yourself on it, so I don't I'll have quote to quote myself. <laughs> I'll quote myself back at you. Quote your mom. Attributed uh, to Jeff Swan. The next weekend is August twelve through fourteen, and that is Bayou Battles in Houston, Texas. Uh, that was the first GT I ever went to, um, so it's got a soft spot in my heart, and I am going back. Jeff, you're going. I don't think Ryan's going because his kids do about then. <laughs> kind of having a baby that weekend, maybe. <laughs> but he's there. He's going to be there. He looks hey, you know so what? good for being so pregnant. You know what? Oh, I put on so much. Golly, I keep stopped in the street. When are you due? With, <laughs> right? with Ryan being out of this, pain is wide open. Anybody could win pain. I know. I better I better start painting. Step it up. You better get your game up. It's my, it's my one chance. My, my, my one chance to take home a best painted. Yeah. 
No more second uh, for me. Yep. A, a couple of weeks later, they've got GigaCon in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I don't know much about that, but it it's running Kings of War, so it's got to be doing something right. Uh, the next weekend, we jump into September. We've got September 3 through 4 in Elizabethtown, Kentucky. They've got the Sword of Kings. Um, so I, I don't know much about that one either. Is that that's a new one? I haven't heard that before. Yeah. I, I don't think it's new, but I think it's I think They're they've adopted or... Kings of War. Yeah, it's it's Southeast because it's in Kentucky. I'll have to talk to Rob about that. I'm sure yeah. he'll have somebody on for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure as, as that date gets closer, he'll have somebody. Um, then the next weekend... We've got, uh, let's see, that's September 10 through 11, and that is West Coast GT. That's going to be a team-style event, and it's going to be in Mission Viejo, California, which is pretty close to San Diego. Um, My house. It's, yeah. Well, it's Orange, between Orange San County. Diego. It's between San Diego and L.A. It's it's in Orange County. But, yeah, I, I will be at that one. I know that... Uh, I don't know if any other Texans are going, so I'll be looking for a teammate if any other Texans are going. Let me know. Gotcha. Uh, let's see. So that was that. Then the next weekend after that is September 16th through the 18th, and that is the Crossroads Fall event. Um, Crossroads does basically two events a year. And this one, at the end of the year, they're running Kings of War, Age of Sigmar, X-Wing, Malifaux, and Ninth Age. So, um, I, I think Corey Reynolds is the guy that runs Crossroads. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he runs Crossroads. And for those of you who don't know, he's the one who went out to Adepticon and took first overall. So he is the reigning, uh, reigning champion or whatever it's called for Kings of War right now. So go out and pick his brain, and you know, go to his event and ask him how he feels about Kings of Wars. He's got to feel pretty good about it after winning it all, right? We've got Redstone Rumble uh, October 14 through 16 in Huntsville, Alabama. This is one I've been trying to go to for a couple of years, and the problem is it's in football season, and that never bodes well for me. So I almost never get out there, but I've I've been talking with a guy for probably four years about trying to get out there. And then it also falls dangerously close to Alamo for me, so that usually pulls me out too. Um, that same weekend, October, uh, well, it's 14 through 16 if you count Friday, 15 through 16 if you don't. Um, in Chicago, Illinois, they've got Dragonfall, um, which is a, a newer event, or at least one that I haven't heard of before, and they're running Kings of War. And then the last one on my list, uh, probably the drunkest one on my list too, is going to be Alamo GT, uh, November 5 and 6 in San Antonio, Texas. Ryan, you want to give a little pitch here? Sure. It's uh, Alamo GT. It's the drunkest tournament in the country. Um, we hold <laughs> 76. Registration opens, I think, this upcoming weekend. And it's going to be fun. I've been playtesting scenarios, and I am enjoying the hell out of writing Kings of War scenarios, which is good for me, and it's good for you, too. Also, the beer is cheaper than any other tournament in the country. Except for well... the ones where the beer is free. But they're not <laughs> doing that this year, so I'm, I'm reclaiming the crowd. Right. Yeah, you can claim it for this year, Dan, for sure. <laughs> 
yeah, we'll be back next year. For those of you who don't know, we had to cancel it for this year because the uh, venue's roof got ripped off, and uh, over they still 30, haven't started construction, have they? Yeah, over thirty thousand yeah, dollars damage, face. and rather than try to do another venue or risk, you know, having not the same kind of atmosphere and you know devaluing what we what we try to put on as a tournament we decided it was best to uh you know just go ahead and set it off again till next year and and uh come back strong and do what we do rather than uh try and replace it with a inferior product for y'all so we will be back next year but unfortunately moonshine had to be canceled for this year there was a lot of sad people and lots of angry emails so, so yeah you can send your hate mail to jeff yeah. I'm I'm mad at you, Jeff, because I was ready to homebrew for it again, and now oh, I don't dude, have any incentive man. to homebrew. We are uh, we would be down, man, for sure. That that was that was actually a large portion of the consideration. Is you know the the venue might have been done, but the other issue was like we get another venue, then we still need to be able to brew all the beer, and that's where we brew our beer. <laughs> so um, we just there's just no way we were going to be able to get you know, 50 gallons of beer done, at least 50 gallons of beer done and, um, not without our facility and everything. So wasn't going to happen. Wasn't in the cards. So if you're looking for a team event, like we were going to be putting on for moonshine, um, and you don't mind traveling, I would highly suggest making it out to West coast GT this year. Um, which second week in September, right? September 10 and 11. Yeah. I would love to, but damn baby and their venue is yeah. awesome by the way yeah it's a great time um if if uh if you've never hung out with all the west coast guys they're they're my boys so uh they're they're a great time if you want a cl- the closest possible tournament to texas without being in texas west coast gt is the place to be so that covered a whole bunch of uh events um yeah so that, they covered the events you want to get into yeah, what criteria. you look for? Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Um, me personally, I look for um, I look for events that are that are kind of stand out as different. Um, the, one of the main reasons I want to go to Lady of the Lake is um, the guy that puts it on, Chris Kapsner, uh, has been um, outwardly going out of his way to get new kings of war players interested and and help the community and you know he's been a real pillar for the area that has probably the most conflicted out of any other region that i know um they just they're all over the place on what they want to play and chris has just taken his stand and saying you know this is actually a pretty good game and chris is a pretty tactical player um so you know for him to sit there and say this is a great game. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in fully behind this and go all the way with it, you know. And what he did at um, a Wap- Wapaka, where he sat people down and let them play, and then donated his army for them to play if they wanted to play in the tournament that day. That was just like that's that is someone like above and beyond a Mantic Pathfinder type of situation. That's just someone who mm-hmm. he I don't even think he's a Pathfinder. He's just one of those guys who just like cares so much about the community that he just doesn't want to see people go. Um so he has been doing a really good job out there and personally I wanted to support him. Uh and the best way I can support him is to show up for his tournament and tell everybody else, hey, we will be at Lady of the Lake um this year and 
He's got really cool um, trophies. I believe that the overall is drawn as a sword that you draw out of a stone for, um, you know, King Arthur-esque Lady of the Lake style tournament, you know. So pretty cool, pretty cool uh, trophies. Um, I like that they do, you know, a best overall, a best paint. Um, I think they do a best in race, a best sports. They give it a lot of stuff to people, and it's kind of cool to have all the different categories. So it makes everybody feel like they participated in some way, shape, or form. Um, just a lot of cool, a lot of cool stuff there. Good for the community. Um, so I was all about traveling up there for it, even though it's gonna be quite the long drive. So and it's in a cool place. And he basically said anybody who wants to come out there and not buy and not get a hotel or something like that, you guys can camp in his backyard because he's got a big ass backyard. Bring a tent and camp out there, man. So that that is one of the ones we're going to for sure. Um, but. Another another one I'm for sure going to West Coast GT. Those guys are they do it, it, just like Chris Kapsner is doing for Lady of the Lake. They do really cool um, scenarios. Like uh, Lady of the Lake is going to be doing um, like when we did a master style where they gave out cards. So instead of playing scenarios, Lady of the Lake is going to be handing out cards, and for every um, every game you play versus somebody, it's going to be just a straight up kill scenario, I believe. But you have a deck of six cards that you get to play that are going to be worth additional points um, during the game. So you know you're basically after you use that scenario, it's no longer available to you for the rest of the tournament. So it's kind of you have to be crafty about who you're playing against and and choose your own scenario. So that's kind of cool. That's fun there. And he's also giving you some custom spells that you can buy for any one of your wizards that have different bonuses and gives it a little extra flavor for his scenario. Um, so if you're hmm. one of the people that are like, oh, I I really wish that this game had more spells. Well, guess what? You can cast Excalibur, or you can, which is like Bane Chant plus. What was it? Plus one to hit or bane chant? Like plus one to hit and bane chant or something, something like that. Yeah, it's it's something insane. Um, and then there's like an AOE heal, so you get heal, but it's it heals every, it heals six, but it heals every unit within six inches of them. Like it's just oh, nice. super super cool stuff. Like it's very flavorful, um, cool stuff like that. Fred has not posted his stuff for um, West Coast GT this year, but I'll tell you right now, they always have some really, really cool scenarios. Um, in fact, last year I made up a uh, entire unit of um, rat ogres for my uh, Skaven that uh, were all Mickey's. Uh, they were all different forms of Mickey. I had a I had a Wolverine Mickey, a Spider Man Mickey. Uh, you know, I had all all Marvel Mickey characters, and I had like an Angels, California Angels, and Oakland Raiders uh, Mickey's that I did up as as ogres. Because he has a Mickey scenario where Mickey goes insane and you know blows stuff up, and he's just some crazy cool <laughs> stuff. Like they have they have all California centric stuff. Um, mm -hmm. where they just really write scenarios for their region, and I and I really dig that kind of stuff. Um, that and I'm 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 old friends with them, and I grew up around them. So those are guys that I always make sure I want to travel and and hang out with. Um, other people that like I I for sure want to go to tournaments for is anybody who comes to travel out to our tournaments. If you travel out to our tournaments, it's the best way 
to get to meet us. It's the best way to talk about your tournament. It's the best way to get other people interested in why you're different and why we should travel out to your tournament. Um, Rob Phaneuf has done a really good job of, it, of that this year um, with uh, all the Blue City guys. And I'll tell you right now, um, they are they are going to have a bunch of Texans come into their tournaments next year for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Just because we have all had such a great time with them, um, I, Rob took home our best sportsman uh, trophy for Shiloh um, at in, in Arkansas, and uh, now he Gil, stole uh, he stole that from me. That <laughs> he took home that, and then um, uh, Devlin took home the best sportsman trophy at Lone Wolf. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that those guys will be coming back out for Alamo. Um, that's what they've said so far, and I'll tell you right now. They're going to have quite a bit of South players coming out to the Southeast next year. Um, I can tell you that because yeah. when you come out and you can hang out with us and we're just like, dude, I want to, I really want to play more tournaments with these guys. That, that's what makes us want to travel out to those areas. So, well, and that's what builds the big national community as well. Exactly. Right. I mean, like you, you come out to our stuff. We're like, man, these guys are super cool. Oh, let's go out to their stuff. Where did they go? Oh, this is the tournament. This is the tournament to go to. So, I mean, we know you personally. It's there's a higher likelihood that we'll probably come to one of y'all's tournaments. But um, in general, we like to see cool, you know, off the cuff, you know, type of uh, scenarios or cool prizes. We get prize support all the time, type of a thing. I like. I prefer personally. I prefer like a cooler trophy or a more unique, you know, bragging right for having one or you know what I mean. That kind of that mm-hmm. kind of deal. So. Sorry, I talked forever. Somebody else go. You did. You pretty much said everything on mine. I'm sort of the odd man out here because I don't get to travel as much as you guys do. Um, I've got two kids and a third on the way, and I, I like staying at home because my kids are a lot of fun. What I'm looking for is, do I know the guys who run it? Have they reached sure. out to me at some point, and have they come to my event? Because... Like Jeff said, I am a lot more likely to go to yours if you've come to a Texas area and I know who you are. Um, And then I want something that has its own unique flavor, something like Lady of the Lake where you build it all around Excalibur. Uh, Alamo, the scenarios have gone away from it. They're coming back to it now being very much about San Antonio, being about the the Texian War of Independence against the Mexicans. Um, I want something with a theme to make it feel like I'm not just playing six games that are strung together. I want a little bit of nods toward a narrative in that. Um, And then the other thing I'm looking for is uh, what are the people like there? Um, I'm a lot more likely to go out if I know, oh, you guys are good at sportsmanship and you're there to have a lot of fun and you're not there to win and slaughter everyone and just beat face and kick nads and be done. Um, If you're there to have fun and I'm there to have fun and and we beat face and kick nads, that's fine. But I want to be there to have fun. If I'm flying somewhere and spending lots of money on a flight and a hotel and taking, you know, four or five days out of my family life, I really want to know I'm going to have a good time there. Yeah, I think you hit that one. Mark, anything else you want to add to it? Yeah, uh, I I kind of uh, and I'm going to echo a lot of what you guys just said, but I kind of broke it down into three different categories. Um, you know, first you've got play and these are, these are not in some sort of hierarchy where one is more important than the other, but, uh, the, the first is flavor, you know, like the guys have said, do the scenarios kind of reflect the area we're playing? Do they, do they go to some sort of theme or do they go to some sort of narrative? 
um, feel. Does the tournament itself have a feel or an atmosphere of something like camaraderie, you know, drunkenness, uh, really tight gameplay? Like, what's what's the overall feel of the event going to be? Uh, so th- that kind of gets me into the flavor category, and is is that something that I want to go? Have I heard about it? Have I experienced something similar to it? And somebody says, oh, well, if you like this event, go to this event. Um, the next one is the location. Uh, that's the venue, you know, what city it's in. Is it easy to travel to? Is it easy to get, you know, decent priced lodging in? You know, am I going to have to live in a roach motel? Like, where is it? How easy is it for most people to get to, you know, and and how how much bang for our buck are we going to get out of getting out there? Because like Ryan said, you know, that's that's a real ball buster to to drop a whole lot of money on a really expensive flight, go out to somewhere and be like, God, I I despised <laughs> my experience there, you know, for one reason or another. You're probably not going to want to go back. Um, so that's that's kind of location. And then you get into the participants, you know, who are the people running it? Who are the people playing in it? You know, are they going to be fun? Are they going to be laid back? Um, are they going to have beers with us? You know, and, and like they said, do I know these people? Have have they cross-traveled with us? Uh, because, you know, that's how you kind of build the community. If if you go to somebody's region, then the expectation is, well, I hope these guys come back to my region. I hope that I did such a good job of showing them how much fun I am to play against that they want to come to my region and play against more people that are that are like me. Uh, so those three categories, flavor, location, and participants. But, I mean, when you go into it, the bottom line for me is, um, would I go to this event not to play, but just to hang out? Um, and, and would I be happy with that decision afterwards? And if the answer is yes, odds are I'm going to enjoy playing in the event and I'm going to want to go back to the event multiple times. Uh, so, so that's my real decision-making criteria. Now that's really hard to say about an event that I've never been to. How, how do I make that decision? So you kind of look at the other three things that we talked about, the flavor, the location, the participants, what draws me in? What what have I heard? What is there out there about this event that makes me want to go to it? Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of my decision-making process. Uh, a lot of times I'll go to a, an event just because one of my friends is going to it. And we go and we have a good time. And, you know, we go back again the next year. So I think out of the three of us, I've probably gone to more events in the last three years than than both of you. So... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I've, I've gotten to experience a lot of different style of gameplay and a lot of different players and a lot of different events. And I can tell you that pretty much across the country, they're all worth going to. They really are. Um, the, the shame of it is that a lot of them are on the same weekends of each other. And so that kind of splits us out into our decision-making based on, you know, what's closer for us or what's easier for us. But, um, even then I, I see you making a good decision in most most of the cases like i don't see a bad decision out there mm-hmm. uh, so yeah that's that's kind of what i do guys that's that's how i pick what i want to go to or how i want to go to it nice i think i think we covered a lot of that stuff um, yeah as far as what what we look for so uh if you have an event that we didn't mention when mark was going over the like 20 that he went over um and you want us to know about it or even if you want to come on and talk about it just uh hit us up in the uh 
the old Twitter, Facebook is probably the fastest, easiest way. You can email us all. Or the, the email. Yep. All the stuff at the end of the episode will tell you how to do that. But for those of you who want to stick around and uh, hear us talk about all the beers that Dan King brought for us, we'll have and a the little... uh, Blue Cities Brawlers too. I got a and couple the left Blue over City from Boys. them. Yeah, that's right. Thanks. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of Ghost River stuff from Rob since that's all he drinks. So it'd be awesome. <laughs> My prediction uh, for that segment are kid sounds in the background, ocean sounds constantly and uh hopefully we'll be really really drunk i have a feeling that's probably gonna happen it better fucking happen so we'll just be attaching that to this portion right here so if anybody wants to hear a lot about the uk beers that dan brought us stick around we'll be back guys we need a bumper to share with you the mantic podcast no swearing allowed oh real professional the fourth of snake is a uk-based Kings of War podcast, presented by John. They want to be an individual. Dan. Nick. Can I go to the toilet, please? And Matt. You can find us on Facebook at OFFS and on Twitter at O4FootSnake. And you can find us on iTunes. That's 32 points of damage. Let's do a nerve check. Anything but snake eyes. Oh, for It's time for another moment with Dan. Oh, and this nice sausage. Oh, it was just gorgeous. I loved it. And it it was just, just, it was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so some of the people were having some uh, really big ones, and uh, and it it was just, just, it was just absolutely gorgeous. (laughs) I'm loving it. Very authentic and funky. So that was awesome. And a excellent last pull more than four. <laughs> <laughs> I win. Erection wins. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. no erection. Oh. I look forward to going home to see all of the royal corgis. Yeah. This has been a moment with Dan. Alright, so recording at the beach didn't work out so hot because of reasons, so we're ch- Jeff, Jeff, we've got a quick, quick outtake of the beach recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like. <laughs> Beer! Stop <laughs> sucking my dick, you guys! Gorgeous, gorgeous. Gorgeous, brilliant! Gorgeous! Uh, yeah, it was a little windy. Windy would windy would be an understatement. Anyway, so yeah, I've I've never seen it that windy down there, and I've gone pretty consistently throughout my life since I was yeah. like two. So instead, we're bringing another partial cast to it, where we're going to talk about beer and probably some Hangover Heroes tournament coming up this weekend, and maybe what we're t- thinking about taking. So, anyways. We're back for part two, if you're still here. Howdy, welcome back. Crack open a pint and listen. That's right. Well, we're at uh, we're at a new beer phase, so what are you guys drinking? What you drinking out of? I'm working on a uh, Real Ale 15th anniversary Russian Imperial Stout. I'm drinking it out of a Real Ale Snifter. Yeah. Jeff, what are you drinking? What are you drinking it out of? I am drinking Shock... We are Hellfire from Chimera Brewing in Fort Worth, Texas, and I am drinking out of a pilfered glass that my wife just stole 
which is a Reaper Madness from Independence glass because she liked the skull on it. So. Oh, from last night. <laughs> no, it's from like. Oh, this a is a while ago. ago. Okay. Yeah. Well, back. Gotcha. Mark, Mark, what, what are you, are you drinking? drinking? I was about to say, are you insensitive dicks going to ask me or not? Nobody um, cares. It doesn't matter what doesn't you're matter drinking. What you're drinking, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock don't care. Uh, Can you so sell I'm your drinking, roll and drink yeah, your so pint? Yeah, we, so we got, we got home and uh, I, I realized that uh, when I said to you guys at the beach that this is a hobgoblin, I... I figured out that I didn't say it was a hobgoblin gold, so oh, I don't. Bastard. I don't. You're a dickhole. <laughs> I'm I'm hoarding all the gold for myself. Uh, fucking wanker. I'm, I'm drinking it out of a Captain America glass, you know, because freedom will improve the taste. Because you know, the British people need to learn how to make beer a little bit better. Uh, so <laughs> damn. It's, yeah. Shots fired. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Um, so it's a 4.5% beer, which, you know, typically that's the low range for us. Yeah, so I'm going to try it like right now. I haven't had it yet. And he usually drinks his beer anally, so you'll have to give him a second. Yeah, I got I to gotta stuff the tube up there. Well, that escalated it's, quickly. It's right. it's pretty good, man. That uh, it's smooth. It's it's got a little bit of the uh, the tart kind of hop taste at the end. Right, but how's the beer? <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> your dick, man. Give me a break. <laughs> uh, I I think you know honestly on the five scale, I'd I'd probably go three seven five or a four on this. Uh, I, I, yeah, you could drink a lot of this. All right, well, uh, yeah, good stuff. Ryan, you were doing a lot of the checking in while we were down there because your phone, for some reason, was actually getting internet in and out. But uh, why don't you start us off with one of the beers that Dan brought, and we'll go through them one by one and check them out. Absolutely. We started off with a Wild Swan from Thornbridge Brewing. Uh, it's a pale ale. Um, we're like 10 days removed from that, and I've had a lot of beers since then. I remember it being kind of citrusy and a little bit watery. But that's what I expect from an English pale is a little bit yeah. more watery than I'm used to. Yeah, it was it was a little more citrusy. Uh, the it's it's always good to have like an English pale because you can compare it so so easily to like an American. And like I don't typically like a lot of American IPAs, but I do like a lot of English. I I do like a lot of English pales. So this one was good for me. Um, it. It it was a little more um, subtle. It was a low alcohol percentage, and it, um, it 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 just didn't have a huge hot profile. I think that's why I liked it. It was it was just a refreshing beer. It really didn't it really didn't you know ring any bells for me. But it's called Wild Swan, man. So you know I I have to like it. So <laughs> a wild swan appears, right? Um, I liked it. Uh, it it's super low ABV, so you're never gonna get drunk drinking it unless you're a lightweight. But, um, you know, the, the lemon or the citrus that, that we were kind of pulling out of that, I liked that, especially on that hot day that we had had. Um, yeah. It was, it was very it was a good refreshing. Way to kind of clear out uh, some of the heat and uh, kind of relax. Yeah. What's the, uh, what was the second one we drank, Ryan? Uh, the second one we had was the uh, Tatton Brewery Yeti. Ah, this is the one I liked. Yeah. Uh, it was a spicier winter ale. Um, 
I wanted it to be a great divide Yeti, so I was disappointed in that. Yeah, it was more spite. It was more. I would say it was more of like a nutmeggy. You know, it was like a little bit more warm. Yeah, it spice. had the Christmas season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think if I'd known going in, it was a winter warmer. I would have been very pleased with it because I love English winter warmers. Um, there's just something about them that reminds me of living in England by the hearth. Yeah. But I was really, oh, it's a Yeti. That means Imperial Stout, and it wasn't that. Right? Yeah, at all. yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of that, did you uh, did you get a chance to try that uh, barrel aged Sasquatch I brought you? I haven't yet. Okay, it's you have to let me fridge. know. It's fucking good, dude. I sent He's Dan still working home through with the fifteen uh, mole temptresses. Yeah, right? that's sitting in the fridge too. <laughs> Probably mm-hmm. Frostgrave next week. I'll share it with everyone because I'm awesome like that. Yeah, man. Make sure you bring them that. Uh, Barrel Age Yeti, man, or uh, Barrel Age Sasquatch. It's good. All right. Uh, next, we had uh, uh, what was it? Uh, the Badger was that the Badger one we had next? Yeah. The uh, uh, next we had the Staffordshire Brewing Rudyard Ruby. Oh, Rudyard Ruby. That's what it was. I don't really remember this one. Yeah, much. that one was not notable. It, it and it's probably because the next ones the next one hit us all so hard one way or the other that we were just like <laughs> yeah the next one was very memorable the Rudyard Ruby yeah. was not it was just yeah, I, I, a I typical went three, seven, English five strong on the Rudyard. I, did, I didn't think it was spectacular it was forgettable like we were talking about but um yeah, yeah. but uh the next one up is, is very <laughs> cool. everybody has a comment for the next one so <laughs> Uh, we did a poacher's choice from Badger Ales. Um, I loved this beer. Strong ales are one of those things I like a lot, and I really enjoyed this one. Uh, English strongs are a great style, um, very underappreciated because you can do so much with them. And this one made some really bold flavor decisions, and I liked it a lot. But <laughs> yeah, you uh, jump in now. I love I love strong ales. It's one of my it's one of my more favorite styles because i like english bitters and stuff like that too so like it's it's pretty similar on the on the take on there so if you like one you usually like the other but um i just think the undertones really put it off for me because uh i do like you know barley wines and strongs and stuff like that it's just the undertones of the spices that they had on that one was just not me i I was almost like saying man i'm almost getting like a burnt leather taste out of this that I, and I just, I could not drink it, man. You did say that. You said that like eight times. I was like, I don't know if you were drunk or just really leather, man. I was like, it tastes like leather. You guys aren't getting any leather out of this. Like it it tastes like I'm chewing on a, it's like I'm licking someone's old couch. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I'm tasting a belt. Yeah. Fuck your couch. (laughs) That's what I was saying. Fuck your couch. Yeah. What'd you think, Mark? I was middle of the row on it. Um, you know, it, 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 I didn't I didn't immediately hate it like you did, Jeff. Um, but I definitely didn't finish the beer. I I passed it off and Ryan yeah. took it graciously. I drank the um, shit like out he, of that thing, Dan. Thank like you. Like he took a great. few other things that night. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I it was it was just one of those beers I was like, you know, I like you. I drink a lot of barley wines. I had one last night that was pretty damn good. Uh, this one just I don't know, man. Like it kind of turned on me, and I guess I let it get up to temperature a little too fast. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because it was like eighty degrees or whatever when we were sitting out there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so I was middle of the row on it. I didn't hate it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to drink it again. Yeah. 
I'd the next one, I think the next one was one of the ones I actually really liked. Yeah, next up we had the Winkle Waller from Winkle yeah. Beer Company. That's um, one that had that apricot aftertaste, right? Uh, I think, uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't remember. No, no, the apricot. That was the, the apricot. Uh, was that uh? Aurora. Yeah, that was the Aurora one. That we oh, were talking Aurora. About. Okay, yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah, Winkle Waller was not the memorable pale to me because I was still drinking the uh, Purchase okay. Choice. Yeah, the Winkle Waller. I don't remember. I don't even remember. Three point eight percent beer. Um, yeah. yeah, they're all such just, low alcohol percentages. Yeah, well, I love looking so weird, through the like the history for that one on Untapped. It's like English pub, English pub, French pub, and then we have Mustang Island, Texas. <laughs> right, it's probably yeah. the furthest away that beer has ever been from they're, something. They're like, they're like, how the hell did these fuckers get this? The fuck is that doing in a beach in England? It's glorious. I've turned Welsh. It's so weird. It's, it's gorgeous, baby. Ooh, it's gorgeous. It's, the clouds are spinning. Ooh. So pretty. So pretty. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pale ale. It wasn't it it didn't it wasn't as good as that uh wild swan pale ale. I'll put it like that. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Forgettable, but good. Yeah, I think it suffered from snakes on a plane syndrome where whatever was in it was not gonna live up to the name. Sure, let's go with that. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, After that, we did a Neon Brown from Wiseacre Brewing, which I think is in Memphis. Yeah, the Tennessee guys brought it. Uh, I liked that one a lot. It had some great chocolate notes in it. Um, It was a little bit sweeter, which is like my back scratch belly rub equivalent on a beer. You give me something with a hint of sweetness, I'm going to love it. Yeah, I, uh, I I thought I thought it was good, but I think I had that same one when we were out at uh, um, Shiloh. Uh, I think they brought us out, brought it out for Could us be. at Shiloh. Oh no, that was mostly Ghost River stuff. Yeah, it was, but uh, I think uh, Gibney brought brought that to shot to Shiloh. I can't remember, but yeah, I like this one. I give it a four. Um, you know, it was it was sweet enough brown kind of chocolatey um but not overpowering it's it's browns man browns you just right you drink yeah. it if you drink it and forget it it was a good brown and yep yep so i drank it and forgot it yep well cool what was the another memorable memorable beer i think the other one that jumps out to me is that van damme beer was pretty good yeah the blue owl van damme um I think I said it was Rob Van Dam good, but not quite Jean Claude Van Dam good. Right, um, it wasn't Jean Claude Van Dam. <laughs> sitting in the surf, drinking it, holding it up to get it out of the waves as our kids went, "Yay, I'm two! Let me try to drown!" Yeah, seriously, dude. My son's like, "I'm gonna shit my pants right here on the beach. What now?" Just fucking take him out in the water and shuck him off i did teach my son the texas honor tradition of peeing into the ocean and it took him three tries these two get their kids out there and say drop your trunks and just piss in the ocean in front of everybody just drop your trunks make sure totally did damn straight it's texas tradition oh it's hilarious my parents have a picture of me at age three pissing into the beach i now have a picture of my son at age three ass cheeks hanging out in the wind pissing into the beach that's how you do yeah my kid did the same thing but our family tradition is you're never dumb enough to look at the ocean while you piss. 
because that's where the wind comes from. So it's going to blow all <laughs> the piss right back on you. It's fine for a three-year-old that's going to get back in the water, but when you're an adult, yeah. you put your back to the wind and piss right? into the dunes. Piss on the rattlesnakes is what we say. Which uh, there are a fuck ton of rattlesnakes down there. We're lucky we didn't. Yeah, there anything. were a lot of signs from I kept warning my kids to watch out for them, but mm-hmm. you know how kids listen. You don't fucking walk into those dunes, man. You stay the fuck on the beach. Yep. Unless you gotta pee. Uh, after that, we did the Six Point Jammer, which is a goes. I remember it had some little coriander floral notes in it, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, it almost came off like a little soapy. I thought it was good, um, considering the heat and the wind we were putting up with at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it was refreshing. It just had like a it had a very floral finish on it. And then last but not least, uh we had the Aurora from Texian Brewing. Um and I really liked that one. That was the one you wanted to talk about, Jeff, with the apricots. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was funny because we kept on looking at each other, and I go, God, what is that finish? And we kept on taking a drink, and we kept on lo- looking at each other. We go, you, it's it's fruit. What is it? And I was like, Do you remember it... what Ryan said? Yeah, prickly pear. Yeah, he goes, right. oh, it's prickly pear. Yeah, he goes, prickly pear. And I go, fucking that's it, dude. Because I, like, I was like, man, it, it has a very... I was like, it's almost like a dragon fruit or like a kiwi, and he goes prickly For those pear. Of you and I, listening, it was not prickly pear. And yeah, it was we neither were wrong. of those. It was apricot. But I mean, you know, but there was would have made it a perfect Texas beer too. if you put that in there. But yeah, so it was good though. We did like it. So well, don't forget we had the uh, the Oscar Blues burrito too. Yep. Yeah, I brought down some of the burrito because rocked it was, Ryan's world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was that just was... after. Um, May or it was just right after uh, Cinco de Mayo, so I brought, brought got to bring cervezas. So. It's like a Mexican lager, right? Yep. Yeah, well, that's all cervezas. Or oh, it's it's a much. Vienna, okay. Yeah. Indifference. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's Americans' version of a Mexican beer, so it's always funny to have uh, Americans, you know, make make a style that like they just don't typically do ever, like. It's so funny, like you don't have you don't have a, a lot of other people that do a traditional cerveza style, you know, beer. So especially not Oscar Blues, which is out in Lyons, Colorado. Right, you know, yeah, seriously. If, if it's a Texan brewery, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Or a South California brewery, you're like, yeah, sure. that's just right yeah. there. But yeah, um, but remember, Oscar they're Blues. they're breaking into the Austin market by having that cannery right. down there. So I, I think oh, that's, I forgot they opened that cannery down there. That's yeah, it's kind of like an olive branch. Like they're trying to throw out there, I would think. No, it's, just, it's, just, the culture. It's, just, it's just one of those things that's very cultural, you know. Like cerveza has a very, has a very, it, it's a style. It's just like there's a, not a lot of companies who are making Asian beers. You know what I mean? Yep. They don't. There's you don't see a lot of people that are doing a Ichiban or Asahi, you know, or anything like that. That's Asian rice rice barrels or, or even has a little bit of rice grain to it as a malt or, or anything like that. So, Well, you, you had that sake barrel, sake barrel aged uh, firewheel beer, and then firewheel right. went out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Which but, that I mean, beer that... was such a letdown. Uh, but, oh, but oh, somebody, yeah, remember who did, who did the, who, who was it that did the ramen infusion beer that we had? Collective. Was that Collective? Yeah. yeah it was really fucking that good. That was solid. solid that was really good. Uh, it was uh, Wabi Sabi. 
Collective Brewing Wabi Sabi. Yeah, they threw it on tap and uh, and we rolled out there that day. Yeah, dude, I got I a, think I I got a growler down there. I got a growler of it. It was good. So, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Memorial Day going, weekend. Yeah, we're going down to Houston. We're going to be doing the Hangover Heroes annual tournament of champions uh, where we will be going to Molly's Pub and playing with oh, ourselves. Sounds, sounds like, <laughs> yeah, playing play with ourselves. 14 or 16 of the Hangover Heroes from Texas, and we'll just be getting all getting drunk. getting drunk and playing some Kings of War. Uh Really Maybe about getting drunk. Really, the game kind of just part. happens in the background. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> if I gonna... get to game three, I'm gonna be happy. So, what are you, what are you planning on taking, Mark? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I know you're gonna be shocked by this, but I'm gonna take my rats. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, right? Um, Ryan, I know you've never been to this, but I'll, I'll give you some veteran tips for somebody who's been to every single one. Uh, one, no matter how attractive it looks like a choice, never put your army on the floor. Right, yeah. Oh, seriously. Okay. Be careful about what table you put your army on. All right. Uh, and it's proximity to Cody. And there's there's a very good chance that pitchers of beer are going to get spilt on the table. So plan well, accordingly. Jeff just informed me that uh, paint doesn't matter for this one, so I might commit yeah. the ultimate foul and bring unpainted shit. I thought, yeah. I thought paint. I thought he gave us like a base paint score or something. No, there's no paint score. I could have sworn there was paint last year. I'll ask him, but I don't not so. not like not like the way we score paint, where there you actually sit paint. down and have judges no. look at it and stuff, but just like, hey, did you paint shit? Yeah. Is it unpainted? Okay, well, there's five less points. No, like I don't think it matters. Because if paint doesn't matter, I have like 17 armies, and I right. can just throw something together this week. I'm thinking yeah, about I don't, taking... I don't think anybody's going to give a shit. Like, we're going to be seeing colors on models that aren't there by the third <laughs> game anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about taking like a bit of my Forces of Nature army I'm getting ready to put together, so... That or Abyssals, whatever. So... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll throw this out there. Um, the tournament parameters are: you bring a fifteen hundred point list, and it is random teams. So you get teams of two or three, depending on how the the math works out. Teams of two or three randomly assigned, and then you go into the next round. Teams of two or three randomly assigned. It, it's never like. The top battle guys don't get matched up. That shit doesn't happen. It's just, hey. You're going to play I mean, three or four games. And you could end it. up playing with the same person on your team like three games in a row. Yes, you can. Or the same opponent. <laughs> or you could have your opponent flip-flop. They were playing against you. Now they're playing with you. Now they're playing against you again. It's just drunken fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, this will be the third year we've done it. Uh, I, I made think the this mistake. I, I think made this the is mistake. number four. Last year, I brought something super fluffy, and everybody in the room brought something super fucking hard, except for the guy I got matched up with on my team twice. <laughs> so this year, I said, "Fuck it, I'm taking something nasty, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna smash some heads." 
Bailey's list last year. Oh my god, dude, that shit was ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, but see, that's the thing is like they get so incoherently drunk. It doesn't matter how mm-hmm. nasty the list is. It just fucking. It's like. He got paired with George though, man. He got paired with George's dwarfs, and so they had four cannons or five cannons on the board, and then a shit ton of magic. So what I'm hearing is we had that fucking those crazy magic spells where you could just fuck people. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, this cast on a five. All right, cool. I'm gonna throw it fucking eighteen times. Here, drink a beer if you want to stop me. Yeah. Well, Ballsack's coming down. Is do you know if Bailey's coming? Bailey's coming. I think we're all in the same car. Although oh, okay. I don't know if so, Cody's riding us. Awesome. Hey, uh, where are you guys staying? Are y'all staying with uh, Robbie or or where are you going? I don't know. Uh, uh, fucking figure it out. Let me know because um, Robbie's doing that crawfish boil Friday, uh-huh. and we're bringing that crawfish beer down, and it, it'd be a good chance to try that shit out. Especially awesome. if we're all going to crash at Robbie's. Robbie lives like thirty minutes away. I know we're um, going up Friday. I just don't know where we're staying. Yeah, we'll it be there Friday. Technically, too. be I'm on your way there. Well, you can't really stay there. The closest hotel I there mean at is Robbie's. Okay, because there's a Marriott there, and I don't mind like throwing down, getting a room Saturday night for everybody to just crash there, and then wake up and drive back to Robbie's, and then yeah. The problem is, I'm going with Old Man Bailey and Old Man Balsack, and they're like, "Yeah, we should just go home Saturday night." I'm going to be like, "Aren't you going to be too drunk?" What? They're like, "No, nope. I'm no." Gonna be like, they, they talked about I doing that shit last home year. On Saturday. That's it was either sad. last year or two years ago, and they both ended up crashing in my hotel room. So yeah. Last year, Justin swears he came home Saturday night. Okay, well, he, then it was, Justin did. Then it was Justin two Justin years did. ago. Yeah, no, Justin, it was two years just, ago because they both had breakfast with me and then sobered up all day. No, see yeah. that's bullshit. Don't do that. That's not what you're supposed to do there. Well, I won't be doing that. Well, I'm just saying that's the exact opposite of what should be fucking happening. I will be sobering up by midnight thirty ish. Midnight. No, you won't. Not if you're fucking staying with us. You'll be sobering up by like 3 a.m. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we'll hit up everybody when we get back from that and start uh, doing some prep in here to talk about Lady of the Lake. And uh, we've got some other stuff we've been talking about with some of the Austin guys that we can kind of go over and maybe have one of them on to talk about what's coming up in the Texas scene for next year. So. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, guys. I'll see you soon. Take care, Jeff. Take care, Mark. Go get drunk. Suck. Countercharge. Countercharge is the first podcast totally dedicated to the game Kings of War. Join your hosts, Andrew, Mark, and Rob, as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. You can find us on iTunes and at OhioHammer.com, a proud member of the Ohio Hammer Network of Podcasts. And you can continue following us on Twitter at... HumbleJeff13 for Jeff. At Beerwog for Ryan, or my blog at thebeerwog.blogspot.com. At CapAMR05 for Mark. At TheBeerPhase, all one word, for the entire podcast. Or if you have to contact us by email, you know, if you want to say something for a long period of time. You can contact us at thebeerphase 
at gmail.com. That's the beer phase, all one word, at gmail.com. Too kind, you've been thunderstruck.